0: Ongoingness is a pod project started by me, Jenny Morris, a fiber artist and writer living in the U.S., and Sophia Pushai, an animation filmmaker and artist living in Europe. The podcast is made with the intention of documenting transparent interviews with artists and creative entrepreneurs around the world. These talks are meant to lend an unfiltered lens into the underbelly of process and work. We're so excited to have you join us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of Ongoingness. Today, we have Nick Hunko, who is a painter, illustrator, and animator based in Brooklyn, New York. His work merges the mundane and the strange in a combination of still life, landscape, and portraiture. It is often as playful as it is quietly provocative. Hey, Nick, welcome to the pod.
1: Hey, how's everyone?
0: We're good. We're happy to be here. Very happy to be talking to
2: you. I'm nervous. Oh, don't be. Just imagine that we're sitting with a glass of
0: wine and having a chill conversation. Exactly.
1: I should have had one before this.
0: You can have one after (laughs) if you need it. (laughs) Well, let's get right in. We're curious what got you started painting and what caused you to take it seriously enough to pursue it?
1: I don't feel like I had a choice. I kind of started doing creative stuff as a kid and being like Legos and just doing random stuff and always found like an outlet to use that kind of muscle. And when I was younger, I was just drawing anything. And when I was a teenager, I was heavily into like doing graffiti and doing all this stuff and started taking art classes in school.
2: I didn't know that you were doing graffiti when you were younger.
1: Yeah, I was like super, super into it.
2: Oh, wow. Do, have you still done it at some point, like with your later painting work, but on a bigger scale, like a mural?
1: No, I mean, I'm not as into it anymore. And it kind of became too dangerous to go out and do it and get in a lot of travel. But I was like super into it.
2: Yeah, I guess like because in Europe, you do have in bigger cities some walls that are sort of made for people to do graffiti on. Do you have that in New York?
1: There's some I don't really know like about like how it like, would go about getting doing like a legal wall other than like getting a commission or something but it was kind of just more of a medium like to use that creativity and I started doing like drawings and paintings and would do like portraitures and incorporating that and eventually just was doing like portraits and stuff like that and I had a teacher who like was really helpful and saw that I was really into it and she pushed me and saw the, the talent I guess and put me on like a double triple like career i was like kind of late bloomer, they said and so i was like behind in the classes i should have been where i should have been like in the higher classes and she pushed me to get into those classes that i didn't have like the previous classes that i should have taken beforehand
2: it's funny because we've interviewed other people who have had teachers that were those guiding mentors that helped them sort of actually realize how talented they were so it's fun to hear that you had one of those as well
0: yeah, it often comes back to the teachers. It's it's not surprising, but it is interesting.
2: Especially that initial getting off the safe zone.
1: Yes. So like, I couldn't really focus in any other class. And I would be just doodling and drawing. And those teachers would get like mad, and I'd get in trouble. But It was like out of my control. Like I wouldn't even be thinking about it. And my hand would just be on its own. And they would go to like my parents and be like, he can't focus. And then my art teacher would be like, do you see how much he can focus on this? And yeah, like I couldn't spend like an hour reading a book, but I could spend five hours drawing and painting.
0: I guess you were forced into it. (laughs) Yeah. That's really interesting. Kind of like not feeling like you don't have this choice to kind of pursue this thing that doesn't feel like work when everything else feels really challenging. And I'm curious if there was a moment for you where after that teacher sort of gave you the support, was that in high school? Yeah. Okay. So I happen to know you went to college for it and what gave you the confidence to say, okay, this is something I probably want to pursue as a creative, like not just a creative path, but as a career path
1: once again it didn't feel like a conscious choice it was just the path that i had to keep going because i was doing this and my grades were bad i I like couldn't really get into another school even like most of the art schools didn't take me because my grades were so bad and then they looked at my portfolio and they were like i got into like multiple schools and then they saw my grades and they're like you still now you can't come so that was kind of a weird thing but then i had one school being like yes come so i had like one friend who was like an amazing painter We would just like stay up all night painting. He ended up going to Pratt and he was like, You should apply. And I didn't know what Pratt was, I I didn't even really know about art schools. And I just kind of had to follow that. The career path came secondary. It was just like, This is what I like. This is what I'm good at. As long as I can do this, I'll be happy. Like, I don't need to get money. I don't need to be rich. I'm happy like being a janitor as long as I can like make enough money to like be okay and paint at night and paint on the weekends. So like after school, I was just working service jobs and walking dogs and doing anything I could just to get by and just do the painting. Eventually that became like too hard. I wanted to find something that I could use like that creative muscle and focus it on.
2: I guess that sort of segues into a question that I have, especially because I'm also in animation. Because you later on, or pretty recently, switched to exploring the digital world more. Tell us a little bit about that switch and what made you go for motion when you've been working with a static image?
1: I think I was always interested in motion and the like effects you can get from it. Going back to like when I was a kid, I had one friend that we would stay up doing like crude like MS paint drawings that we like turned into animations like frame by frame. And we like spent so much time just making like a three second random clip. But then I like didn't really do animation until after college. And I was interested in video games and like not just the basic video game, but how video games could be art. So I started making these video games and I kind of It felt like a static image just didn't do enough and I wanted to do something more immersive like where I can transport someone into like a world or into like I think sound is so important with my paintings when I'm painting I'm always listening to music when I wanted to have a show I wanted to have like music or like I always thought about like embedding like speakers into my into my paintings so they would like have a soundtrack of their own and so like animation is just another like medium that I find like very powerful.
2: The animation definitely 50% of it is the sound design
1: and how well
2: you get the visuals to link with the sound. So I definitely think you found the medium to work within since animation is also a lot of still images moving.
0: I agree. I kind of want to drop back to you. You were talking about this kind of obsessiveness and this focus that you had with painting and drawing really only like you really had trouble with this focus in other areas, but it, no issues with it in terms of doing this thing you clearly love to do. Like you said, almost like somebody possessed you to do this thing. And I happen to know you grew up in a family of scientists and I know like scientists, medical doctors, artists all sort of have this thing in common where they're very detail oriented and they're very focus driven and, you know, a little obsessive, a little possessed to do what they're doing, whether it be working in a lab all the time or staying in the studio all the time. Like, to me, it's not all that different. And even though it's very different fields of work, it takes a similar kind of mindset. And I'm curious if that influenced you growing up. And the answer could be no, but I'm just curious if you feel like that's made its way into your work and process a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think it has. My family, they uh, didn't know anything about art. And so that was like a kind of a solitary path that I took where they couldn't really help me in terms of like what to expect. Like, I have lots of friends who, like, their parents did go to art school or did go into, like, some kind of creative path or took them to museums, took them to shows, took them to galleries. My parents, we would be, like, I don't know, on a beach town or something, and it would be, like, one of those, like, touristy galleries. And they'd be like, oh, look, it's a gallery. Like, do you want to go see it? And I'd be like, that's not really what I'm interested in, these kind of, like, tourist trap galleries.
2: They still seem supportive.
1: They were totally supportive. They just didn't, didn't know what I was doing. Like they were supportive. They just didn't know how to help me like in terms of a career path or anything like that.
0: Where did you find that
1: support in the end? My friends. I think the most important thing is to like surround yourself with people who are interested in that.
2: I feel like especially after school, because it's nice to have people to be able to still keep a conversation with about their work and your work and just have someone to help you analyze or get a sense of what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And going back to the transition to animation, I wanted to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to go about like being more than just a painter. And I was thinking about going back to school again for animation. And I had a buddy who was like, you don't need to do that. There's no need. That's what they want you to do, right?
2: Especially animation, because there's so much tutorials out there. Like You can literally learn it on YouTube if you want.
1: Yeah, my friend suggested that I would go for one of those school of motion classes, which are like a concentrated month or two and a curated tutorial specifically to like what you're interested in if you're in 2D, 3D, After Effects, Illustration.
2: How did you find those uh, courses?
1: They're intense. It's no joke. It's just as hard as going to the college. It's like a 12 hours a day almost especially like I never picked up After Effects. I've never tried to do anything with that. And I took pretty much After Effects motion animation.
2: Was it for beginners?
1: So they go around the basics, but it's not just for beginners. They wanted people to take it to relearn the basics. They kind of curate so people who are more advanced can go back and relearn them, while a lot of people who are beginners can go and learn it too. And it's super intense, but it was one of the best decisions I made. I took the, a 2D and a 3D one, and it kind of just opened the gates of like what I could do. And now I can have my work in motion.
2: Yeah, because you're full time at an animation and design studio.
1: Yeah, it opened a bunch of opportunities. And where I'm at now, I can't suggest it anymore to anyone who wants to go through this path. How did you feel going from animation to painting? Like, I don't think you've painted much beforehand.
2: No, I started this year, but I obviously like I studied animation. So I've studied design rules and all of those things. And we had a, you know, you you still learn how to work visually. It's just like being analog or digital. And I had previously drawn by hand as well, but I hadn't done it for a while. So I remember in the beginning, it was a bit because you're so used to control Z or, you know, like all the commands and you can just change. And And in some regards, you can as well on on canvas it's it just takes longer and then also i think in regards to pursuing the commercial world versus like the fine art world i feel like the rules are a little bit different in how you network and communicate and and stuff like that so i think that was definitely the trickiest bit because i already know myself visually and how i work and what i like and dislike and what i want to explore it was just how to get to know this new scene that I wanted to be a part of. Like, how was that for you?
1: The fine art world is nothing I wanted to be a part of. I, it's too subjective. I like an animation how it's like tangible, and even if you're doing commercial work, it's like something that's being used. And I found myself very lonely painting and trying to like find like a gallery that fits into my world. And now it's like there's a world that I'm fitting into.
2: I also feel like the animation commercial scene is more, you can just post online and that's your gallery. Like you don't actually have to look for that physical space or actual curator to discover you. It's more like you put yourself out there or if you want to work with a studio or whatever, you can email them and it's not like you come across as...
1: It's weird, right? If you email a gallery, they like won't even look at it. It's just word of mouth and who you know and... Who you respect, and if you can't come off like too clingy.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You gotta play cool all the time.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about your animation practice because you did start through games. And now, when you work full time, do you still feel like you have time to explore your personal work? And is your personal work nowadays only animation or still paintings?
1: My main work right now is mostly digital. I do want to get back into painting, but I think I need to relearn how to fit that into my world I'm in right now. But working digitally is nice. I can create an image that I want and it can live as an image. It doesn't have to become an animation. I can just appreciate it for how it is. Or if I want it to move, I can make it move. And I do find time to do my own work, but I feel more empowered because I have like a bigger tool set that I can use and I'm learning something new every day so as I learn I can do something that I didn't think I could do a day ago.
2: Yeah I'm excited to see how you incorporate what you're doing with animation later on within your paintings because that was I also had that phase where I had to when I started painting I realized that some stuff I was doing in my animations I was simplifying so much because it was easier to animate But in my paintings, I wasn't, I didn't want to simplify that much. I didn't need to because it was only one image that I wanted people to contemplate a little bit longer on. So, realizing these things that the viewer has hopefully is sitting with the painting longer than a single frame within an animation because it just flies by. And yeah, just viewing them differently and realizing how I view each practice?
1: Yeah, it's a different approach, definitely. And I think that's maybe a difficulty I have too, is, is that I came from this world that I'm, I'm not limiting myself to what I can do or what I can draw. And now I have a painting, a drawing, and I want that to be animated. And now I de- have to deconstruct that drawing or that painting and be like, it can move like this. But you know, if you want like something to turn around, that's going to be a bunch of frames that you have to draw. And that's maybe something you didn't, you didn't think about as you're drawing it or like, you know, much more difficult. And so the way I worked was such like dream logic where it's it's just like free association. I draw something, I think it reminds me of this and then I draw this. And that's also kind of how I got into animation and like I'll animate this. And then I'm like, oh, it'd be interesting if this could happen.
2: It sounds very intuitive in a way, almost as as like more of a fine art practice, actually, because usually with an animation is like you plan everything to the T and you don't like start production until like all of the decisions are made.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You very much have brought your fine art. And I think, again, not by choice, like just by the way you work.
1: I can't not work organically. Like I don't have the animator mind, like where you, you're you saying draw five frames and then you connect them and you have it all planned out. I haven't figured that part out.
2: I mean, it took, it took some time for me too, to figure that out. It, it comes by just practice and doing it a lot.
0: Yeah. I'm curious too, though, how this sort of plays into theme because I was going to ask like, okay, we know you were influenced heavily by creating games, but in a more fine art oriented way. And I, I know that you also skateboard. So like skate culture is super influential in your work. And graffiti, obviously, in the past has been influential in your work. But when you look at your work or when I look at your work, I see so many different themes that potentially relate to like scientific theory or personal objects in your everyday life, like almost like a self-portrait. Some have medication in them. Some have a desk some have a dog some have pregnant women like there's all these different like characters in your world and I'm curious if you're working within a certain theme or if it's like you said something you're not even consciously thinking about it's just kind of like subconscious flow where like these images are not necessarily tied together in any sort of conscious planned way you're just sort of like it's just sort of spilling out of your brain like a dream
1: yeah that's Exactly what it is. It's me interpreting. I mean, I I don't go into drawing or painting or animation knowing what I'm gonna do. I grab a pencil, paintbrush, VACOM tablet, and just start drawing. And it's whatever it becomes. And I always like found it kind of amazing just how you can like take a pencil and just a couple lines, and it becomes a bird. And then if you keep adding the lines, like it becomes like a photo real bird. And like all the steps that in between, like how like something comes from nothing, and then What else could it be? That exploration is what keeps me going.
0: Have you guys read Charlie and the Purple Crown?
1: No, I don't know what that is.
0: Oh my gosh, it's such a great children's book, but it's reminding me of this. The idea of the children's book is that there's this kid named Charlie and he has a pencil and he has, it's like a purple, a purple crown. And he can draw with it and he can essentially like draw his world as it's happening. He can interact with it. So like, which relates to both motion and painting in a really nice way where he'll like draw a door and then he can walk through the door and then he'll draw some food and he can eat the food and everything becomes real as he's sort of like drawing this world. And I feel like that's you, Mick. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like that Spongebob episode, he draws the Spongebob and the Spongebob becomes real.
0: (laughs) All right. So last question we ask every interviewer, a more generic question, but a fun one. What did you want to be when you were a kid? And thinking of yourself in the future, what do you want to be now?
1: I wanted to be a hundred things. There was a point when I told my parents I wanted to be a garbage man. There was a point when I wanted to just be an artist. I think for the early, I I was interested in drawing. I wanted to be like one of those like caricature artists from like Disney or something that they like draw like a character of of you and that was kind of one of the earliest things i wanted to be
0: and what about now
1: i think i i want to do what i'm doing i just want more freedom i want to be able to animate and paint and draw and do it on my terms
2: that's the freelance life
1: but you're still not though it's a it's a freelance dream i don't know if it's reality i'm still trying to figure that
2: i think you get a little bit more freedom being freelance You get more freedom over your time, but you still need to take on work, commercial work, where you might not have that creativity, but then you can always plan time so you get that full autonomy in your work later.
1: You might be right.
0: And Mick just started working full time this year, right? Yeah, no, but he needs that. You need experience
2: just being full time for a few years and then it's way easier to go freelance after that.
0: Totally. You build up your network and your structure and you, like you were talking about, you start to learn to think in a more structured way, which is you need when you're freelancing, especially. It's funny you said garbage man because somebody else that we interviewed said garbage man, said trash man, the guy that jumps on the back of the truck. Yeah, that was nasreen Yeah, nasreen So two people now have said garbage man.
1: I don't know what it's about, but
0: I think it's the freedom. Like they look so free because they just like hop on the back of the truck with their hair in the wind. You know, kids aren't thinking about like how smelly it might be or like what kind of like stuff is like going back on them as they drive. (laughs) Like you watch them. And as a kid, I'm sure it just looks very adventurous or something.
1: I think I was just kind of antagonistic and people expect you to be like, I wanted to be a doctor. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do any of that. Whatever you push me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. And maybe being a garbage man, is the opposite.
0: It's funny, too, because you said, like, you didn't care when you were thinking about your career path. Like, you didn't care if you were a janitor as long as you could paint at night or you were dog walking as long as you could paint at night, which is a very beautiful idea. But it's interesting that, like, you did make your way to a full-blown career in animation, and it's integrated itself into your creative work and not only integrated itself, but like really transformed the way you think about it and your process. And it's kind of become one, which is really awesome.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's not just about getting paid to do what you want, but I think feeling validation and I didn't receive much validation while I was trying to pursue just painting and it was too solitary and feeling validated in the way that I'm part of a group or part of something and I'm not just posting on Instagram hoping to get likes and that's a whole pit that you can fall into
0: yeah that's for sure that also comes up at some point subtly in every episode and then Sophia's like oh we don't want to talk about this Thank you so much for hopping on, Nick. We'd love to talk to you. Keep in touch. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Ongoingness, a podcast that explores the underbelly of process and work. Enjoyed what you heard? Stand by for next week's episode. Want to check us out on social media? Find us on Instagram at OngoingnessPod. The music for this episode was produced by Erica Enriquez, recorded at Short Stack New York. We'll see you next time.